0: Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right, everybody, back here again for another edition today of the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. As always, it is so great. Really, really wonderful to have you here, to have your ears here as I'm talking to you today about lighting. And i got a couple really exciting things to share in the opening this week. The first is I uh, got a rating this week and I want to share it with you. Um, Again, go to learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes to leave your rating and review if you've enjoyed this show. Um, We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. Bad Wolf wrote in today and uh, Bad Wolf on Stitcher wrote in, Great show. I've been enjoying the podcast and learned something new every episode. Thanks. David, awesome! Thank you, Bad Wolf, and uh, to everyone else who's left a review so far. It really is uh, such an encouragement to this podcast, um, which is not, you know, the easiest thing to do. Um, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes money. But at the end of the day, I, I enjoy doing it. I think it's it's helpful to the community, and I hope it um helps you. So just like it helped Bad Woof. Today guys, in the main segment, we're gonna be talking about how to use intensity in your lighting. So how do I use intensity in my lighting? We're continuing on where we started the last episode, which is somewhat of a dive into the principle of IFCB, intensity, focus, color, and beam, and and how those relate to your lighting. So if you haven't yet, check out the episode before this, episode 21, and then in the main segment, we're gonna dive in to how to use intensity in our lighting but first some lighting news this week in lighting news guys i want to feature um a new light the elation smarty hybrid i want to talk a little bit about it um it's a new fixture that elation put out and uh this past week i was able to see it at the uh, four wall nashville vendor showcase thank you four wall for hosting us Uh, for those who aren't familiar 4WALL is a big uh, lighting and uh, now video rental company here in the U.S. And uh, they're really wonderful people. That's the, the number four and then the word WALL, W-A-L-L. Nice people. And uh, they had a roadshow. They had um, a number of great manufacturers at it, including Elation, including my friends at n and uh, many others. And I got to see in person the new um, newly announced Smarty Hybrid. And uh, they've got this on the website. It says that it's preliminary, but um, I've seen it in real life now, so I can talk about it. Um, but what I like about this light, what I find interesting about this, and this isn't a paid advertisement or anything like that, these opinions are all my own, is that I've been talking for a while about if you're buying a new moving light, especially if it's, you know, kind of a mid-level or an entry-level moving light, hey, go ahead and, and buy an LED. Because for the amount that lamps cost over time, for the amount of maintenance cost that you're going to have in replacing lamps, it just doesn't make sense. The LED is close enough in price that you're going to recoup that in a reasonable amount of time. Same with the energy savings. Now, what they've put out here is they've got a new lamp, the uh, Philips Platinum Flex 200, and it's a 240 watt lamp, but it's pretty bright. It puts out 9,000 lumens, which is a good amount of brightness, and you can get six to ten thousand hours out of this lamp. Now I've seen six thousand, I've seen ten thousand in different places, and, and I've been told talking to uh, some of the folks there at Elation that it, it just depends on how bright you want to run the lamp. You have some different options there. Of course, brighter means it's going to have less life on it. Um, you run it a little bit dimmer, you could save a lot of time. But I think this is really interesting, especially for a lot of people who are buying lights, whether it's for a band, for a club, for a church, whatever, you know, 6,000 hours is a long time. With discharge moving heads in the past, you would have maybe a 750, 1,000-hour, a 1,500-hour, a 2,000-hour lamp at the very most, usually, with these lights, okay? There's exceptions here and there, but for the most part, they were under 2,000 hours, sometimes way under. And, you know, with just a few hours of use a week, say, you know, five, eight hours a week, you can, you can make that a yearly expense now that, that thousand hours, um, or, you know, whatever, if you ran 10 hours a week times about 50 weeks um, in a year, approximately, of course, there's 52, you know, that's going to be 500 hours. And, you know, in two years, then you're going to have to replace the lamp. Well, how much does that lamp replacement cost? You know, and you begin to really add up the money, with this new Smarty Hybrid, this is a full CMY mixing system. Um, it's, got, it's got prisms. It's got gobos. It's got color mixing. It's got focus. It can look like a beam fixture. It can look kind of like a wash fixture. And it can look like a spot fixture. And so it can do everything. It's fairly inexpensive, um, the pricing I'm seeing right now. It's got all the features, it's just not LED. And so what I kind of like about this is they 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 went back to the drawing board on this one and instead of saying it has to be LED, they went back found a way to make a lamp that lasts a whole lot longer, like six to ten thousand hours which you know in a lot of cases can be many years and and then be able to bring it at a really reasonable, Overall cost, and so my thought to you um, with this particular fixture is not you know go out and buy one definitely or whatever, but it's just to get you thinking. Whereas LED can often be the default today, there are some advantages to a discharge lamp fixture, and when they're making a discharge lamp at a really reasonable cost that can run for a really long time, then maybe it's worth doing some math and figuring out if that's right for you. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, that's all I had in the news today. So let's dive in to our main segment. All right. In today's main segment, I want to talk about intensity and, and how do you use intensity in your lighting. Now, I noted previously on this episode that this is part of a series that we're going on about IFCB, intensity, focus, color, and beam. And The first episode of this is uh, right back before this. It's actually um, episode 21. So I want you to go ahead, pause this right now, and listen to that if you haven't already because it it really gives some important background that you're not going to want to miss for this episode. Awesome. So in the previous episode, I talked about kind of the four levers, the four things you can do in order to make a lighting change on stage. And now we're going to talk about a little more in-depth about each lever and how to do it. So in this episode, we're talking intensity. And intensity, as you might be aware, is the total output control of the light, okay? How bright is it? Is it at full? Is it at half? Is it out? Is it at 25%? There's a lot of different options that you can go with at a given fixture level, but intensity is more than just at a given fixture level. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, to begin, you can have different intensities with different fixtures at different parts of your stage. So maybe, for example, it's, you know, a particular music show and you've got your front light kind of dark. You may have greater intensity from your backlights, drawing the attention in that direction. Okay, that helps create a little focus, but we'll talk about that next week then we can also talk about turning lights off, right? I'd mentioned that a second ago, turning things to zero and 0% intensity is a very valid value and something that I like to riff on that I like to share with people because it's it's not wasting the light, okay? Sometimes clients, especially people um, who are dealing with the money and paying the bill for you know the lighting services, they think that having a light off for, you know, half the show or or only having half your lights on during a given song is a waste of money. But I say that's actually using intensity very wisely. So say you've got 20 lights or maybe you've got 10 lights, doesn't matter, on the background of the stage as the backlight, okay? Turn off half the lights for any given song. And when you want to have a really big song, when you want to create a big impact with intensity, then turn all those lights on. In a similar note, say maybe you've only got five lights and you need them all to cover the stage pretty well. Consider at times, especially during slower songs, etc., you know, run them at half, run them at zero because this is where intensity gets really powerful. If you've been running something at less than full and then you bring up that intensity level to full on your stage, suddenly, you know, people got used to The half full and suddenly having it completely at full, you know, can really take them off guard and bring some surprise and bring some freshness to the lighting of the show. And so that's, you know, one way to use intensity. Bleeding into focus a little, we can change where we're lighting on stage. So I I had talked about so far, maybe making taking your black light to zero excuse me, your backlight, taking your side light to zero, taking your front light to zero during certain times. And you can also maybe, you know, take out the left side of the stage. Maybe you've got a drum solo and you only bring up the front light on the drummer, or maybe you do a drum solo where there's only backlight and only on the drummer. How powerful would that be? That's something I've seen before and I think is a super powerful way to use light. And so These are meant to kind of get some ideas in your head, but you don't have to light the whole stage all the time with intensity. You know, if you're running video, if you're running IMAG cameras, then you're going to want to make sure anything that needs to be picked up by the camera is lit nicely, but for effect from time to time, it's good to leave portions of the stage dark, and it's good to use that intensity to create bigger moments, to use a lack of intensity during some moments to create bigger moments, at other times on the stage. Now let's talk about effects. Effects in intensity is the creating of movement using intensity, and if you've been listening to me for some time, you probably know, or you may have picked up on the fact that when I talk about movement, you don't have to have moving lights to create movement on your stage. You don't even have to have lights that change colors. If your lights, have an intensity control and you can bring them up and down, which, you know, any stage lighting you have control over has that control, then you can create movement on your stage, right? I remember when I first learned about movement, actually going back to art class and my art teacher in high school talked about movement in painting. Now, of course, in a painting, you don't have anything physically moving this isn't video this isn't a live art form or anything like that but you can create the look of movement by using blur by you know having just the people's eye move from patterns and color variations and things like that creates movement in a piece of art in a similar but but not the same way in a lighting we can use effects, we can use chases, we can use intensity effects in order to create movement on our stage without having any moving lights or anything like that. And so I think that's something that's also really important that by chasing between different lights or, you know, modulating the values, just moving things around with intensity during different times of your show, you can really create some powerful movement across your stage, and and as always, what we're trying to do, whether we're using intensity, focus, color, beam, or all four, is we're trying to amplify what the nice people on stage are doing, whoever they may be, a band, a worship artist, a speaker, it doesn't matter. Our job as the lighting designer, as the lighting people, whether you're a hobbyist, a professional, or anywhere in between, is our job is really to go in there and amplify what they're doing on stage to help them communicate clearly and create a great show. And so as you use intensity, as you're working with those faders, bringing intensity up and down on your stage, you need to think about that. And when you think about that and work with the intensity to create change on stage, I think you'll find that it's another really great tool in your toolbox, another really great way that you are able to create something interesting on your Stage. And so that's intensity. Short, simple, and sweet. It's not complicated. But when you use it well, when you use it wisely, you can really create an interesting show. And you can use this attribute of light to do some really interesting things on your stage. Okay. And so with that, guys, let's dive into our mailbag. This week in our mailbag, we've got some really exciting things. As always, guys mailbag uh, entries things that fall into my mailbag are questions that people send in via the contact form at learnstagelighting.com contact and there i i uh, store them in a folder and i open them about once a week here and to be able to answer people's questions okay and, and just be able to answer your lighting questions and, and really help you uh, work with things in your lighting workout problems etc As always, if you're looking for more depth, more, um, you know, knowledge and and hand-to-hand help with your lighting, step-by-step instructions and uh, personalized feedback, you can find that inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs. I'm going to have a link in the show notes that is going to take you to learn more about Learn Stage Lighting Labs so you can see if it's right for you. Awesome. First thing in our mailbag is uh, Mike the Network Guy wrote in. And uh, he just had a quick comment on our last podcast. Now, in our last podcast, I uh, featured a great news story that talked about tablet mixing and uh, should you use Wi-Fi for your show elements, for production elements in a live show. And he wrote, this guy's a network engineer, but he also runs lights for is banned and so I thought he had a really interesting perspective and I just wanted to to cover some of it here. Um, him and I went back and forth. We, we exchanged a couple quick emails and um, you know both realized pretty quickly that we, we probably had about the same perspective on things um, but you know for the nature of the podcast I usually keep things pretty short as I did in the news section and so he just wanted to clarify a few quick things that, that I thought would be helpful to you even though not all of them necessarily pertain to lighting. So The first thing was that, um, you know, be sure to note that if you're using 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, and uh, that's the newer stuff that's going to be available on any device that is 802.11.ac, you're then able to go ahead and, um, you know, have a much less constricted airspace. But as Mike and I went back and forth via email quickly, um, you know, it is important to notice that there's going to be places, you know, especially you know, downtown or if the IT infrastructure in a particular building does a bad job of implementing things, where even the five gigahertz band is going to be jammed up. And it's unfortunate and it's frustrating and it's not the way we want it to be. But there's going to be some times, as, as we agreed and talked about, that you know the wireless is going to stop working. And so it's just always really important if you do use a wireless in a show situation, that you need to have some kind of a backup plan, a cable to run, a cable you can run, uh, a place on stage you can get to and plug in, uh, wherever. It doesn't matter, but it's just, you know, when you are working with wireless, things can happen and things will happen. And even though we've got newer and better technology that that keeps improving things and, and makes it so that there's less likely to be a problem with wireless when you set things up, it can still happen even with the nicest equipment, all right? Now, he did have a good point because um, I was talking about uh, somebody was using a, a Behringer X32 Air or an X Air, I believe it's called. And, and that was the, the example that I had shared. One of the examples I've seen in my life um, where somebody was trying to run things wirelessly and when it hit showtime, it crashed and burned. Well, Mike wrote back and uh, his band uses an X Air. And he was telling me, he was sharing with me that actually, because the Xair is such an entry-level product by Behringer, there's um they they basically they did a really terrible job with the wireless implementation to possibly possibly in order to hit a price point. Okay. Whereas he's pointing out, hey, if you spend, you know, less than a hundred dollars or if you look closely, you know, I bet you for under 50, you could get a deal on something really good. You could get a router or an access point. Um, and these are a little bit different. I talk about this inside Learn Stage Lighting Labs in our uh, networking action plan. But regardless, um, if you, uh, you know, get something, a good router and Wi-Fi access point, usually built into one in the, in the uh, home world, then you can really, you know, hook that into your Xair and get a much better wireless connection. So if you're using the Behringer Xair and you're having problems with that, Um, there could be good reason for that. In fact, Mike actually wrote a whole article that I'm going to share. I'm going to share it in the show notes that just goes into the Xair and talks about how to overcome the problems that are there, what the problems are, and uh, how to fix it. And and it really goes into great detail. So if you're interested in getting more information that's not overly jargony and overly IT-like, because if you probably know, if you do a Google search on this kind of stuff, you, you start getting into the weeds on networking, it can get confusing fast. Mike wrote a really great article that that I think really sums things up well. And uh, he was asking, oh, if I had any views on LightKey for Mac. So, so Mike, um, LightKey is something that's coming up more and more in my inbox, and I've got to get my hands on a Mac so that I can fully check it out. But so far, it, it seems to be fairly popular. Actually, when I go to lightkey.com, it says lightkey2, not 3. So maybe you meant 2. Um, but lightkey seems to be, you know, for Mac users, a, a really interesting piece of software that um, could really work well for a lot of people. So, um, you know, I, I've seen their new features look really good um, when I've read about it and I've done some research on it. Again, I don't have a Mac here, so I haven't been able to actually test it. But when I've done, um, research on it and reading about it online, a lot of the earlier users of it, you know, a year or two ago had some real problems with it. But from what it sounds like, things are a lot better now than they used to be. And it's really improved as a software. And so I'm not saying don't use it, but I'm saying definitely, you know, it looks like a good software. I would download their demo and try it out, see if you like it. And if you do, you know, test it well, make sure it works well for you, make sure it's solid and it's stable, and uh, definitely give it a try. But I think from what I gather, from what I read about it and what I've, you know, watched on their videos and just paying attention to what they're doing over the past year or so, it, it seems like they're working really hard on this software. They, they want to make it something great. And I think they are turning it into that. So um, we'll be paying attention, trying to see more and more um, if, if that continues to be the case. Uh, but as for right now, it seems to be something that's headed in a good direction. Awesome. So Ezra wrote in and uh, he writes, can you learn lighting in a community college? All right, Ezra. So um, before I start answering this, the first thing that I want to point you to is a really great podcast called Light Talk. Okay. I'm going to have a link to it in the show notes. I'm actually typing it right now um, so that you don't miss out on this because Light Talk is a really awesome podcast that's made by a few theatrical designers. Um, One guy's a theatrical educator, I think. I forget what they all do exactly, but they're all kind of in that theater world. And they talk about lighting and education a lot, okay? So first things first, Ezra, if you do go to a community college to learn a lighting, it's most likely it's going to be a theatrical emphasis, okay? There's very few in our world formal programs that allow you um, to to learn about lighting outside of the theater context, okay? So if you're not interested in theatrical lighting, if you're not, um, you know, concerned with with doing that, then community college probably isn't going to be the place for you. The second thing about community college and lighting is it's really going to, your mileage is really going to vary on a lot of things. Okay. Any educational opportunity, whether it be college or some kind of seminar or uh, getting a job or whatever is going to have its positives and negatives. And, you know, every community college, it's it's really going to depend on the quality of the faculty, you know, how much effort they put into it, how much knowledge they have in lighting, et cetera. So, there's, there's different ways to learn lighting, and and I don't have anything against going to college for lighting. I think it's something that some people do. I think community college is a good option because you don't have to go into buckets of debt in order to get a degree. You know, I hate that, that the modern uh, liberal arts college has gotten so expensive that it doesn't really make sense unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, maybe that's not the case, and I don't want to offend anybody or be super political here or anything, but... I just think the prices have gotten crazy high. I think that that's something that's easy to be seen. And people go into massive amounts of debt, sometimes not knowing what career they want. So it sounds like you know what you want to learn. And so my best recommendation to you, Ezra, is, you know, do what I did. No, not really. But but what I did do was I started working part-time for a lighting company and doing lighting at my church, okay? And both of those things gave me different sides of the coin that I really needed to learn. And both are are great paths where you could learn everything you need to know to do lighting. Okay. So I, at the time I grew up, I was in a church that had grown to be quite large. It's what a lot of people would call a mega church per se, you know, not, you know, tens of thousands of people, but a couple thousand people. Right. And so they had production equipment and a great opportunity to learn. And in that environment, I was able to have the freedom to work with different things, to point lights in different directions, use gobos, use gel, and under supervision, you know, from adults, I was able to safely, you know, learn how to do this thing and play around with design, and I had a free and open canvas. Now, in the part-time job world, I learned the technical of how to put it together. I learned about power. I learned about industry standards, how... People generally hook things up, how people generally design things to work, how different people and different lighting designers lay things out. And, you know, I got paid, you know, a small sum of money. I'm not a lot of money at the beginning, of course, to learn. And, you know, I would say, and I think they've talked about this on Light Talk before, Ezra, is that if you want to get into lighting, the best thing to do is to find someone to learn from. Whether that be through a job, through a church, through a community college, it doesn't matter where you go to learn necessarily, but that you find someone who you can learn from and you go in every single day with a willing attitude where you want to learn and soak up as much as you can. And then, you know, subscribe to the trade magazine like Church Production. I'll link to these PLSN, Lighting and Sound America. Subscribe to those guys and read them. Try to immerse yourself. And then as you find mentors in this industry, ask them questions because, you know, everybody wants to help someone who wants to learn. And so I would say, you know, this was a a really um, wild and, and all around, all over the place answer to a simple question, but there isn't really a simple answer, Ezra. And you know, your mileage is really going to vary. And, and so I'd say just get out there, start lighting, start working with things, and most importantly, figure out what you want to do with lighting, okay? Do you want to run lights for your band? Do you want to be a lighting designer? Do you want to be a lighting designer for theater or maybe for corporate events or maybe for music? Because that's going to influence the, the path you take to get there. You, the best thing to do, and I know they mentioned this on Light Talk actually not too long ago, is find someone who's doing what you're, you want to do. And that's actually wh- exactly what I did. Thankful I had some great career advice from my high school, actually. Um, and find someone who's doing what you want to do. Ask them how they got there and then do whatever you can to finagle a job, a volunteer opportunity, whatever. You know, offer to work for free a couple times so that you can learn a little and then work for, you know, low wages till you learn more. Um... You know, and that's really my answer there. So I hope that wasn't too confusing, Ezra. But, you know, learning is is really a a complex topic in this world. And so I hope that made sense. All right. Last question here. Ben writes in and uh, says, hello, your content is fantastic. So he's buying a uh, Chromatech LP128 with the LED player software from Chromatech as it was recommended to him. And he was wondering if there is a way to pair a physical controller with the software, um, et cetera. So Ben, I just went to Chromatech's website and this is not a piece of software I'm super familiar with. I can tell you when I look at it, you know, and I read their their features and stuff, they say LED player for architecture and entertainment. And so anytime that somebody puts the word architecture first in their marketing, it tells me that it's aimed at permanent installs and, and kind of more architectural situations more than the entertainment side of things. Not to say it won't work for entertainment, but it's not—it's so, just not a piece of software that I know a ton about. And so when I look here, I see right here in the uh, live board section, it says MIDI, mouse keyboard, MIDI and DMXN allowed in live board. So what this tells me is you should be able to use a MIDI controller with this software in order to control things live. okay, And so that I would go ahead and check the manual. If they've got some tutorial videos, I would go ahead and check that out and just see in your particular software how that works and and if it has good MIDI control and if all else fails and you decide it's not the right software for you, then I would go to my my website and uh, find the page. I'll link to it on the show notes, of course, that says, um, how do I choose my first lighting controller and read through that because got some recommendations there of some great controllers that allow you to have great hardware at a reasonable price and I think are the best controllers in their various classes um, depending on, on what you're trying to do and that's why I feature them so I hope that's not too complicated but um yes there should be a way to do that Ben but no I'm not super familiar with that particular piece of software all right, folks, that about wraps it up for today. Before my voice gives out, I'm going to stop talking here, but it's been really great talking to you today on the podcast. If you have enjoyed today's show, actually, if you've learned anything from today's show, what I want you to do for me is go to learnstagelightingcom iTunes. There, you're going to be presented with an option to go to iTunes or Stitcher, um, depending on if you have an iTunes account or if you don't use Stitcher. And then I want you to go to the review section, And just type in something that you learned today on the show. Type something in and also you'll have the option to give a star rating. And I'd really like you to do that. And I hope I've earned five stars today teaching you about lighting. With that, everybody, we're going to be back next week. I'm really excited to talk about focus next week and how to use focus on a stage and how to create great lighting with that of course, show notes and everything I've mentioned from this week's episode are going to be at LearnStageLighting.com slash 022. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at LearnStageLighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks.